Chapter 15 of Our Western Birds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Chloe West. Our Western Birds by Elizabeth and Joseph Grinnell. Different Sparrows. The Fox Sparrow, the White Crowned Sparrow, and the Golden Crowned Sparrow are winter visitants in California. They appear early in October and leave us in April or earlier. The fox sparrow is so named on account of its foxy red upper plumage. It is a very beautiful bird and comes now and then to our garden table with the other sparrows, but it is more shy. Some winters we see both two or three. It has a shorter and stouter bill than the other sparrows, and larger, stronger feet. It nests far north in Alaska, or in our higher mountains. Its habits are much like those of its old comrade sparrows. The song is very sweet and once heard, will not be forgotten. We never see the young birds of the fox sparrows, nor of the crowned sparrows. They are born and grow up in the far north, and are in full plumage when we first see them. The golden crowns are not so numerous as the white crowns, but always we had a few of them. They do not sing so constantly with us as the white crowns. The fox sparrow and the golden crowns do not appear in large flocks, as do the white crowns. Of all the winter sparrows that come to us, we love the white crowns best. Some autumn morning in the garden, before the sun is well out of his bed, we hear a sweet song, just five or six notes, and we cry, The white crowns are here! But there's only one. The main flock is on the way. With most of our migratory birds, single individuals appear ahead of the rest. For what purpose, we don't know. You will notice this with the sparrows, and orioles, and bluebirds, and robins. Perhaps it is two or three days before the first flock of white crowns are seen. Then there is a sudden glad song everywhere, and you feel like staying out of school just to look and listen. It would seem as if the spurs are glad that the jungle journey is over, and they are home again for the winter. This year, 1902, the white crowns arrive in South California on September the 25th. The scout who came on ahead went straight to the garden table as if he knew he would find it very sad. And so he did. We were looking for him, always the white crowns are fearless and may be seen on our doorsteps. If you leave the door open in the morning, they will come in. They will look you in the face and sing. They are said to sing all night in Alaska. Here, of course, we never hear their best songs. The crown sparrows make their nest in the frosty grass in the far north, a few inches above the eternal ice on the cold meadows. Ever their insect food is abundant, though the warm sun of summer does not tow the ground many inches beneath the surface. Beetles and other insects wake up like the Eskimo neighbors and come out to see the daylight. It is then that the sparrows get them. Besides the insects, there are fruits and seeds for sparrow food. Last year's cranberries are just towing out of the mossy meadows when the sparrows arrive from California sometime in April or May. These berries are all the sweeter for the long winter under the snow. Sparrows take their fill, and no doubt get their faces stained with the red juices, just as they stain their jello leaves with the molasses we set out on the table for them here. Just we feed back molasses to our sparrows, and it is a troll sight to sit and try to eat it at first. They cannot pick it like crumbs, nor drink it like water, but they soon learn how to eat it in their own fashion. It sticks to their beaks and faces until they have dipped their heads in the water dish. Sparrows have a way of washing their faces after meals, as anyone may see. 
watch as it undid first the beak and the face and the whole head in the water and shake it off until all the table is well sprinkled. You cannot enjoy the winter sparrows without a garden table. A schoolhouse window shelf would do for them. Place hide out of each, but inside from the inside. But there is danger of our turning the schoolhouse into an aviary if we go on. Better place the table in the grounds and respect the rise of the birds to that particular corner. There is one sparrow that has not yet come farther south in California than Fresno. We do not want to see him. Still, shall he come, we will try to make the best of it. It will be of no use to object to his company. It will do no good to start out to kill him off. When he comes, he will come to stay. That is the English sparrow. Scarcely anyone had a good word to say for the English sparrows, until it was discovered that they were fond of the seventeen years locust. Then the farmers began to praise them. Their good appetites were talked about as if they were birches, and the boys quit robbing their nests. But the locusts were soon gone, and the farmers had forgotten what the old sparrows. So the birds are persecuted again. It does no good to anyone for a person to hate any bird. Hate makes the heart hard, and before you know it, you will be hating other birds than the English sparrow. To make the best of a bad bargain, and to turn the little English sparrow to some account in the war, let us eat him all up. In this way, we should come to love him in spite of ourselves, but by no cruel methods, mine. Give him a quick shortcut to the land of nowhere, and all will be well. We are something like a sparrows ourselves. We think we must have our meat. A sparrow, roasted, broiled, or stewed, is a dish for a king. It is just a diet for sick people and babies. Little children who don't take kindly to all the food fry on sparrow broth and eggs. Sparrow's eggs. Where you can coax a sparrow hen to lay right along, just like any bitty hen in the barn. You must quit scaring the birds to the high roof gables and out of reach places. Place straws about the balconies and door and window sills, and watch what happens. The sparrows will take the egg laying for all summer long and stay right in one place. You can gather the eggs every day, always live in a nest egg, and the motor bird will supply the home market. You can easily see that by this method there will be very few young birds, and the sparrows will become more domesticated year by year. The custom of driving them into distant and high places to nest is all wrong. We had a friend in the east who made a beautiful portiere or curtain for her pile of English sparrows' eggs. They were brown and strong and silkered. The children of the city streets who have so little space for home and see the dark side of everyday life could get both profit and pleasure from the sparrows. City hospitals could convert their high window sledges into little farmyards for the benefit and pleasure of the sick. One could have eggs for breakfast by just opening the window. Foundling hospitals could be supplied with the most nourishing food for the little orphans. It would be better for school children to see that such provisions are made than to be astounding the sparrows for nothing but hate. Since man must live, man must eat, and we may eat the English sparrows, but see that we do it with a thought of their good qualities, and I regret that they are not better neighbors to other birds. End of chapter fifteen.